Yo, welcome back to NC Raw after a nice little eight or ten day break from podcasts that felt like forever. We're back with another episode for you tonight. Awesome conversation went down. Before we get to it, I want to remind you guys that this is our last podcast before our Pacific Coast run, adventure, ministry work, all of the above. Um, we're heading out, Res Hope. NC Raw has partnered together to hit up the Pacific Coast. My man, Caleb McCoy, decided he wants to cycle and run and do some ministry work and all kinds of stuff. And so we're taking the show on the road. That being said, we are not going to be following our regularly scheduled programming. No more Monday nights for the next six weeks, I guess seven weeks. Uh, until we return. We'll be returning mid-July, mid to late July, around the 22nd. So probably the week after will be our first podcast back. Um, However, we do need some support along this trip. I think they're going to have some sort of like GoFundMe thing going on. You can support us through our Patreon page. We're going to be updating you guys through our Patreon page. Uh, What you can look for is a weekly podcast from the road however the dates are yet to be determined uh my boy caleb has a bunch of fascinating ideas um just for getting out there i think just for the just for the trip leaving north carolina to get to washington state he's got like four or five destinations and slash podcasts that we're going to do so we're taking like 10 days just to get out there Uh, And then along the route, we're going to be connecting with little communities along the way, stopping off on reservations, stopping off on, um, I found out today, uh, recovery high schools in Oregon. We're going to be stopping off um, to find out what these other communities are doing and kind of share some of their message and share some of our message with them. It's just going to be a, a life life-changing trip for both us and the people that we engage with so um check out our patreon page patreon.com slash nc raw you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month to help support and fund some of this type of work and then also get you some exclusive content um so yeah check it out keep an eye out on our youtube page as well as instagram um nc raw podcast and we'll be updating you guys that way so tonight, awesome conversation, um, very educational conversation. I learned about a fascinating program that I was a little unfamiliar with prior to having this podcast. My good friend, Mr. Bob Cummings, um, contacted me a few weeks ago and asked if I would be interested in doing a podcast about the Haywood Pathways Center, where his wife, Sue, um, works, and she brought with her with her, Mandy Hathcox, who's the executive director of the Haywood Pathway Center. Um, the Haywood Pathway Center is like a uh, emergency shelter for men and women recently released from prison. Uh, they are offer kind of a short-term residential program, and they assist individuals in like getting back. Um, getting back stabilized on their own. It's a a phenomenal, phenomenal program. I learned a lot about what they're doing. It's a faith-based program. I learned a lot about what they're doing and um, the kind of resources that they tapped into and how this 
operation, um, how they like operate on a day-to-day basis and what their needs are and how community members can help and support such an awesome cause. Uh, definitely something that excited me and I learned a lot and I hope you do as well. So give some love, give it up to the crew from the Haywood Pathway Center. Everything, so my timing is critical. Rhyming is literal, the unforgettable. It's why you stand before you impeccably so presentable. I give respect to you, know that I am respectable. I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I am the rival, expected to be exceptional. And I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional. I am incredible, the unconventional. And you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unprofessional. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Let's go. What is up, friends? (laughs) Hey, Stephen. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, we took last month. It's so weird. I was telling you guys before we started how like this, doing this podcast, meeting awesome folks like yourselves on a weekly basis just like puts me in a state of mind, supports my recovery, and just like puts me in a place that, that I need. It's like my refuge. It's my safe, my safe spot. And just by taking a week off, just taking one day off, Last Monday for Memorial Day, even though I had recorded a podcast like the Thursday before to like dump that day to give them content. Um, I come up, I show up here Monday today and I feel like it's been forever. (laughs) Right. And I go on and I do a little like pre live stream thing with Mm -hmm. our Patreon people, the people who support us through Patreon. And uh, they said the same thing in the comments. They were like, thank God you're back on Mm -hmm. Monday night. So. Thank you guys for checking us out. Tonight, we have a familiar face, Mr. Bob Cummins, <laughs> and you brought some friends with you. I did. Who'd you bring with you? Can you can you introduce them real quick while I quickly go up and adjust that camera? I'd be tickled pink. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> One of the guests is uh, Mandy Hathcock from... Um, did I say your name? Hathcox. Hathcox from... <laughs> Uh, Haywood Pathway Center in Waynesville, and the other person is Sue Cummings, who <laughs> works at Haywood Pathway Center and is also my wife. Dangerous. I, I know. <laughs> I have to be in my best behavior. And, um, yes, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to behave while I'm here. You sure? D- don't ask me any personal questions. There may be some things that she doesn't know. <laughs> I have never seen you behave, Bob. Neither have I. And I suspect it won't begin tonight. 
So what's going on over at Haywood Pathways? Like what? So we have like a pretty good size audience ranging from all over the state of North Carolina and beyond. So I guess like I would just like to start off with like what is the Pathway Center? Well, we can start with the story of how we started. Um, we started only about four and a half years ago, so September of 2014. And prior to that, our sheriff had um, just recently gotten his office, and he walked out. And he saw a couple guys sitting on the sidewalk. And he said, what are you guys doing? And they had just been released from the jail. And they didn't really know where they should go because the only place they had to go back to was the environment that got them in jail in the first place. And so they jokingly sort of said, can I go back in? And, you know, obviously that's not an option. And so Sheriff just thought, you know, what can we do to have... Um, to be able to stop this because we can't keep arresting our way out of this problem. It's not going to happen. And he saw next door was uh, what used to be the Hazelwood Minimum Security Prison, and it had been empty for seven years. And so he talked to the county commissioners, to the faith community, and um, everybody came together (coughs) and agreed to use this for another purpose. So they actually won a nationwide Facebook voting contest, Waynesville did, which got them $50,000 um, grant and um, a visit from Ty Pennington to flip the prison. So they changed wow. it from a place of punishment to a place of restoration and redemption. So the original goals were to feed the hungry, house the homeless, and to reduce recidivism, and that is what we do. So over the last four and a half years, we've expanded from just offering a dinner meal and shelter to having a full-blown case management program Um, We have staff who work in the jail now, and we are in two weeks opening our shelter for moms and kids as well. Boom. So that's... That's a lot going on in a short period of time. It is. Right? And like, I think like one of the things that comes up often is like so many, so many people can identify a need and they're met with like one barrier or they're out of fear of failure or whatever the case is. It's always funding. It always circles back to money. Mm-hmm. Um, but they tend to not like move forward with such a project. Right. And so the initial, the initial uh, beginning was winning that grant, that Facebook campaign. It was, that- it was kind of a place where it was a combination of the open door ministry um, the Haywood Christian Emergency Shelter and Next Step Ministries. And the emergency shelter was um, held at a camp, and it was only during the cold months, and they had lost their lease there. So it was kind of like, what are we going to do this year? And between Sheriff Christopher and Nick Connor Camp, both are, are very much people who believe that God will make something happen, <laughs> and God made it happen. I mean, out of 3,500 entries across the country, this is what won. And... Um, so here we are. Yeah, such a need. Um, coming from where I come from in South Florida, homelessness is something that is easily identifiable, right? You can't you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, having lived here for the last like five or six years, one of the things that I've become very aware of is it's tends to be an unseen population Mm -hmm. um, regarding like where they are, the places that they are. Like it kind of gets like with all the tourism and the money that's in these mountains, Mm -hmm. um, not as much 
awareness is focused around those who experience homelessness and considering like how cold it gets and the seasons and all that stuff like there should there's no excuse why it shouldn't be a, a such a priority um here in these mountains and especially like i mean I, I don't, you know to me like especially with the the amount of money funding through tourism mm-hmm. and things like that like it should be something that is definitely talked about more often mm-hmm. you know so how did you get in the picture what how did i get yeah how did you get in the picture well so uh back in 2005 i came in um to north carolina to go to graduate school in chapel hill in durham and at that point really um felt called i had always worked with families but had felt called to specifically work with folks who are homeless and so i what, what, why why yeah so the the weekend we came was the weekend of that huge ice thunder storm snow whatever and <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever it was um where everyone got stuck on the highway mm-hmm. in raleigh for eight hours and so we were touring uh, both Duke and UNC Chapel Hill, <clears throat> and there were just so many people on the street, and there was one woman in particular in a poncho, and that's all she had, who was trying to stay out of the weather. And I think it, at that point, like I'd always worked with families in poverty, but they always had homes, and so then being right there next to people who I knew we're not going to have another option tonight. And even though I ended up getting stuck in the car and sleeping on the floor and eating the flight attendant's peanut butter for dinner, like I still was safe and I still was warm and just felt like, you know, there, this is not okay for our world to have this, especially here and especially in Chapel Hill, if you think about that. And we got it. We need to do something different with that. And so then I started doing internships and then I ended up working at Durham um, Urban Ministries and working with the families and just saw how often kids would come in and they'd be so excited to be in the shelter because their family hit the lottery and got one of the eight rooms, you know? There was one mom who was about 26. She had three little girls, and they finally got in, and they were all so excited not just to be in the shelter but because they got to be in the same room that their mom had been in when she was a little kid. And at that point, that's kind of a defining moment of these are cycles that continually happen. And we have an opportunity and I think a responsibility um, to help make it different for those kids. I mean, those kids don't have a chance. They didn't. Um, But what can we do to put in place to help them as a community to lift them up, which only helps all of us. And so from that point forward, I worked in various shelters and then we had a kid and wanted to be out here because that's where my mom was child care is expensive and so i got a job at abccm in Asheville, and then here we are this job came open and it's 10 minutes from my house and it's lovely and then i got to meet these people so and i want to and that was my next question is when did the cummings pop into the picture i heard an interesting story of how that that introduction was made yeah, introduction I, to pathways. Sure, but like, and then I would like to find out how the how the job came about, right? Okay, cool. Well, let me start off with the how we got involved. Sue and I had been involved in in ministry and um, actually in in Asheville. I was the assistant director of the rescue mission downtown for several years, and then moved on. And uh, at a point in time, about a year and a half ago, we moved from Asheville to Waynesville because Waynesville is the neatest little city ever in the world. So we got a place 
And it was the weekend of, of Thanksgiving, two Thanksgivings ago. And we, we moved in. And then a few days after that, I was driving to work. I worked for a company called Red Oak Recovery in, in Asheville. And I was driving into work, and I heard uh, the Corey Valancourt story. Uh, Corey Valancourt, of course, is a reporter for uh, Smoky Mountain News. He's one of my heroes. He's a good friend of mine, and I, I love Corey. But he did this story where he, he became homeless for a day and uh, walked into uh, walked into Lanesville looking for food. Of course, he, he had a story of, of why he was homeless and so on. He practiced this story of, to, to tell people when they asked him why he needed food and so on. And, and if you haven't read the story, I'll, I'll give it to you briefly. He... Uh, it was Thanksgiving Day. So he walks in, uh, he goes over to uh, the open door uh, and and begins to tell his story and they just ignore him. And they say, well, here's some food. Come on in, have a seat. And that they serve him food. And, and Corey himself says he was kind of surprised. He thought he would have to give a reason as to why he was, he was there. Uh, and he ate and he said the food was great and the people were nice and, and friendly and, and very caring. And then he asked about Dinner, and they said, Well, you just follow the train tracks. There's a place called Haywood Pathways Center. So he walks down the tracks, and uh, for dinner, he walks in, he begins to tell his, his story, and they just ignore that. And they set him down, they bring him food, and, and they treat him like a, like, a, like a guest would at a fine restaurant. So he tells this story about going to the place in Canton and, and spending a few days of finding out the services. and and he and I spoke afterwards. He, I asked him, did you realize that, that the organizations helping you, that there weren't government organizations, it wasn't public funding, this, these were Christian organizations. And he said that he didn't expect that, and he was surprised when he found that out. But the reality is, is that the people who, who provided him food and shelter and love were Christian organizations. So <clears throat> after, after I heard that on the radio, and then I, I got the old copy of the, uh, Smoky Mountain News and read it. I, I had to. Uh, I remember coming up to Sue and just saying, "Dude, this we got to get involved in this." So we contacted uh, Haywood Pathways, and um, and they were very quick to say yes. We could use some volunteer help. So we began. Uh, I'm with an organization called Western Carolina Orthodox Outreach, and we're an organization of Orthodox Christians from the Asheville area, and we, we look for things to do to help, and we began uh, cooking once a month at, at Pathways and just having a blast doing it, and um, we met Mandy, and, and, and then we started talking about maybe a, a, a recovery group on Thursdays and so on, and and I'm going to let Sue take over from here because then her, her part kind of comes in now. Okay. Um, I was, when we first moved out to Waynesville, I was still working at uh, um, Artspace Charter School, which is over in Swannanoa. So it was fine from West Asheville, you know, 18 minutes, but the hour-long drive to school and back every day through Asheville was more than I wanted to do. So at the end of the school year last year, we made the decision that I was not going back. That was a very hard decision. I loved that job. So I spent most of the summer going, what am I going to do? I wish they would just hire me at Pathways. I wonder if she'll just hire me at Pathways. I can't work how long had, How long have you been volunteering at this? <laughs> we had been volunteering. Uh, we started in January yeah. and volunteered all the way through. I guess you hired started me. started in, in July. And, okay, so she hired me in July. So I was out of work first week of June, just going, 
I need a job. I'm applying all sorts of places, these places I don't want to work. And the whole time I'm going, please, I just want to work at Pathways. So one day Mandy calls Bob and says, do you think Sue would work for us? <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I'm doing the exact same job I did in the public school. I kind of, I'm kind of the gopher. I kind of man the phone and... She does everything. Fix lockers yes. and clean bathrooms and herd children around. The and, same thing you, know. you do at home with yeah, Bob. Yeah, same thing. It's the exact same job everywhere. Thanks, Steve. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. All night, brother. But it's amazing watching the lives that are transformed there um, and getting to be a part of that. And the people I've met there are just so... Amazing. I'm, I'm saying employees as well as residents. They're all so amazing um, from every walk of life you can imagine. So it's just an honor to serve them. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere in that same realm, we started the 12-step meeting, um, which I, I don't have a drug or alcohol addiction. Um, but when we we're looking at this, we realized that addiction goes so much deeper than that and so much further than that. So instead of um, I'm an alcoholic or I'm you know, a drug addict, it's um, we talk about any addictive or self-destructive substance um, idea, Behaviors behavior or, or idea. So I can put my eating disorder in there. Hmm. I can put um, dysfunctional relationships in there. Um, we have people in there with... That plus, you know, it's a pornography addiction. It's um, an addiction to being critical of other people. And critical of yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's amazing how far-reaching just changing the words to that have been yeah. and the group that is building around us. Yeah. So, Prior to this 12-step program, were there other recovery-type programs in? Well, we... Not on campus. Mm -hmm. So we partner a lot with Meridian, who are who are great partners, and they come and pick people up every day, and they bring them back, which solves a big transportation issue to get services. But one of the things that we have been trying to do over the last two years is bring in a lot more life skills sort of things. And one of those, um, one of our priorities was some sort of recovery group, just because a lot the majority of the people who are staying with us have issues in that area. And when they came. Um, with this proposal, with this program, we were just excited about it because we didn't have that, and it wasn't AA and it wasn't NA, so it didn't exclude or include only certain people, yeah. um, you know. And and it's and it's right there, so uh, people already knew Sue, so the the trust piece was there, so it wasn't like well, who's going to tell me about what. <laughs> so it just it was we they were the first. Um. This program, was that something that you guys kind of developed on your own? No, so, not at no? all. Okay. Uh, if, if I can tell you about it, it's, it's called the 12 Steps Following the Ancient Christian Path. My wife and I are both Orthodox Christians, and um, the the Orthodox Church, as, as the, the oldest form of Christianity, we, we would feel has has just so much wisdom and so much, so much love and so much truth in it that uh, we wanted to introduce that and there's a priest out of uh, Missouri, Father Paisius Olchol, who uh, for years and years headed up a, a street ministry uh, that was Orthodox-based, but, but based on, on love and acceptance and caring. 
and doing the basics of feeding people and loving people and helping people. So he developed the 12 steps following the Asian Christian path. And it's, it's the same idea of the 12 steps of AA and NA. And I'm, I'm, I'm a, an AA and NA guy from way, way back. I'm in recovery and uh, have been involved in the 12 steps for years. Um, but the, there, there's a difference there are differences in how Father Paisius took the 12 steps of AA and NA and made them orthodox. And with each step, there's specific readings, <clears throat> either from the scriptures or from the church councils or the Holy Fathers or, or monks, uh, what we call the Desert Fathers. And, um, and there, there are steps and writings and readings that are pertinent to recovery. And... Um, we're beginning our fourth set of 12 mm -hmm. steps. Third, We've been doing third set. Beginning fourth, I'm sure. Here we go. She knows. <laughs> okay, Sue knows. Uh, so we're, we're beginning our <clears throat> third or fourth step. Or fourth set. <laughs> smooth, brother, smooth. Uh, <laughs> good job, good job. Of, you of had 12. to turn right to get here. Yeah, who got last? Yes, oh, uh, yes, mm -hmm. dear. Yes, dear. So <laughs> Good job. Yes, so we're beginning, uh, yes. A next uh, round. As they say in AA, um, and my wife had become unmanageable. We did a bit of power to our addiction, our wives had become unmanageable. So, anyway. What, um, at what point in your life did you get involved with the Orthodox Church? And like, how did that appeal to you? Both. Okay, cool. Well, and, and again, if I can go back, the, Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and people are familiar with, let's say, Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox. I'm not familiar with any of it. Okay. It, it's all the same. The Greek fest. Mm -hmm. yeah, Greek yeah, fest. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the Orthodox Church is the, is the oldest form of Christianity, and it comes out of the East, obviously, because Jesus came out of the East. Um, he didn't come from New Jersey or... or he didn't have a Boston or, or accent? Florida. No, he didn't have a Boston <laughs> accent and, and so on, but... Uh, the Orthodox Church is the ancient church that is, is as old as Pentecost and as new as this morning. So um, I've been involved in, in ministry and in, and in, in Protestantism for years uh, after I got sober. Actually, it was through a very profound Christian experience. And then uh, not being or being someone who has to, has to find the original and, and do it. Things a hundred percent. Two hundred. I'm so glad that she's here tonight. <laughs> it's just the way I am. Uh -huh. I was I was in college. I'm a late bloomer because instead of going to school, I, I did drugs. And then finally, when I, I went back to college years later, uh, I was doing uh, a senior thesis on the underground Christian heavy metal, death metal. You know, sure. rock and roll, cult, yeah, uh -huh. rock and roll culture, and you did a whole podcast on that. Oh yeah, it was uh, heck yeah. So actually, there's a band called Luxury uh, that's based out of North Carolina, a real heavy metal rock and roll mm -hmm. band, and like three of the the members are now Orthodox priests. Okay, so uh, that's another story though. But <laughs> but um, I got introduced. I, I was talking to the guy who was fronting this band called Eight Ball Cholos, which was a uh, it's a death metal Christian band. And, and he said, yeah, man, his name is Burrito. He said, yeah, get in touch with these people out in California. So I did. And it turns out they were, it was an Orthodox monastery. And these were monks. 
And they began sending me information. And, and at that point, Father John Marler was kind of heading it up. And, and he sent me all this info about orthodoxy. And it's like, dude, this is hardcore. This is, this is the real thing. But then, of course, in, in, in my mind, it was like, this, it's the real thing. It's hardcore. It's okay for them, but not me, because I want to do things my way. And then at some point, I think that God revealed that if this is the real thing, then I need to be doing it for my own salvation, my own recovery. So... Uh, for me, that was about 20, 22 years ago, and um, and I, I did what I had to do to to become uh, an Orthodox Christian, and then all through the music. It's yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. No, yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> through the music. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful, it. man. Of course, I, the music in, in the Orthodox Church is usually Greek or Byzantine or Kievian chant. So it's it's not. Uh, no, they don't actually do heavy metal in the church. What's called the liturgy, the, the liturgia. So. <laughs> You're just riding this, aren't you, Steve? <laughs> Thanks, man. Love you, pal. The um, so the twelve step group is you said worked through the twelve steps three to possibly four times yet to be de- yet to be determined. Is it like a closed group or are they like can people kind of like say it is a closed group? Okay. It's for our residents. Um, we do have residents who have been a part of the group who have now moved into their own apartments and they're welcome. That's to what come I, back I guess That's what I was going at. Okay, but. Um, outside, no, because uh, part of it is supporting the group there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's still a stigma to being in a uh, homeless shelter. So you know, you call, you ask for Bob if he's there, and I say I can neither deny or confirm that he's a resident here. Uh, but if you want to give me a message, I'll. You know, if I see this person, I might pass it on. Uh, so. For that reason, we really want to keep it our residents uh, because they need that. Anonymity piece, mm-hmm. yeah. So what's the day-to-day operations like at Pathways? My job? Just in shows. general, Crazy. overall, overall operations. Yeah, how does it work? So we, um, we have two dorms right now, about to have three. And people um, come in, and once they're, um, if they're in our program, they have a bed, they have a locker, they can store their stuff. It's not like leaving and taking everything with you. Like it's, it can be your home base. Um, Monday through Friday, our dorms close at eight 30 in the morning. And that's just to encourage people to go out and do the things that they need to do. But at this point, our, um, campus is open all the time and we have an employment specialist who, um, is there Monday through Friday. And so there's Wi-Fi, there's food, there's TV, there's laundry. So if people are just coming out of um, out of addiction or they're just coming out of jail, it's a safe place to be to where you're not wandering the streets right where what got you in trouble. So most of our folks, you know, there's usually only about 10 people there at this point during the day, give or take, uh, because most people are going to their classes. We have 60% of our folks are employed. Um you know, and 90% of those who are employed are working full-time. A lot of them with benefits that our own employees don't have. <laughs> you know? True. But, and a lot, it's, it's, it's just great because there's a lot of people who've never had a good job. There's a lot of people who've never had benefits. We've had several people come back and say, look at my insurance card. I don't even know what you do with this. <laughs> you know? I haven't had and one in five or six years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and it's just, it's fun to watch that. And so part of what they do when they're staying with us is everybody has a chore. We really try to make it 
a community. Like you're here to help each other. We're, you know, there's expectations, there's guidelines, there's a whole rule book and all this mm-hmm. stuff because you have to kind of control some things. Because we have between 40 and 60 people there a night. Um, we're about to have a, up to 100 once we open the, the dorm for moms and kids. So um, people are meeting with their case manager. We recognize that everybody is their own creation, their own past, their own future. And so we do a person-centered plan where we look at income, housing, stability, life skills, social support, and spirituality because we believe that everybody has to have all six of those things to function in this world, and you have to have them together because if your mental health health is up and down, you're not going to be able to maintain your job and your housing, and then you'll be right back. So Mm. our goal for everything that we do is to really look at what is the trauma that happened? What is the what are we doing? And how do we um, how do we help people break those cycles so that we don't see them over and over again? So they're not bringing their kids back, <laughs> you know, later. Celebrating that yeah. they're yeah. back where their parents yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is a typical typical stay? Like how many days? How long? Week, how long? Yeah. Um, people can stay for up to six months. Probably the average is about three to four months that people will stay, but that's kind of misleading because it takes into account the people who stay for a night or two mm-hmm. just to get a shower. Mm-hmm. And then the people who stay and they work really hard and they save $5,000 and they're working two jobs, but it takes them eight months to find housing because there isn't anything that's affordable mm-hmm. and quality. Um, so it's, it's kind of in between. Yeah. This model that, that you, pathways has kind of like rolled out is that something that they developed on their own or is that something that's being used in other places it's kind of a conglomeration of all the things i've done in other places that worked (laughs) okay so you had a lot to do with the development of yeah so when i so pathways was at an interesting place when i came on we were at a place where it had been solely ministry based and it was about let's meet basic needs let's feed people let's get them safe let's get them shelter and let them know that jesus loves them and that is fabulous but then we were at that place of um how do we help people really transform? Like we can bring in all the love and we love Jesus and this is true. And Jesus is our ultimate transformer, but then there's the realities of the world we live in and you have to have a job and you have, that's just how it works. Mm -hmm. And so that's at the point two years ago, we brought in a case manager and we started putting the programs into place. And at that point we've seen our, um, success rates and things like about 50 to 60 percent of the people leave us to move into housing or to live with their families and we have that employment rate um we have 85 percent of the people have income of some sort and we're able to really help people move forward and our goal in all of it is six months if you stay that long it's not very long in your span of your life at all and it's certainly not long enough to deal with all the traumas that got you to where you are but it is an opportunity to connect you with all the different people in the world, with the churches, with the volunteer groups, with the life skills classes, so that hopefully we can bring positive community into someone's life. So when they leave us, they have those resources and they have other options besides going back to what got them there in the first place. Yeah, that's beautiful. What about the relationship between like this or the orthodox church and stuff that you guys do mm-hmm. um and the new stuff that's coming down the pipe like yeah. how how is that going to be integrated or work with say um uh, residents of the pathway center and then those that move on into permanent housing 
Do you want me to take that one? Go ahead. Okay. But interesting, you would ask that because as of this past Wednesday, uh, we, Sue and I and, and two other people who are, are involved, my godson, uh, Aiden, who's a, a licensed professional counselor in, in Canton, he, he and his wife uh, have been banded together, and we received a visit from uh, our Bishop Daniel of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church USA and Father uh, Anthony Perkins. So we've received now the official blessing to start a church in, in Waynesville. So we are officially doing or starting uh, Holy Resurrection Orthodox Church. <clears throat> and one of the neat things that, that we really want to happen is that uh, we, we purposely found a place to begin meeting this close to, to Pathways. So it's going to be a place that's very accessible to the people in, in Pathway Center, people who we form relationships with in the 12-step group will be able to, uh, to continue, not just the relationship, but also their own recovery at Holy Resurrection. And um, we're also, uh, one of our goals, one of the things we're, we're hoping for, cultivating and praying for, is to find a group of people who, uh, who want to embrace orthodoxy, which, by the way, is the fastest growing Christian denomination in America now. You heard that, Kayla? Uh, there you <laughs> Love you, Kayla. All right. um, and, I mean, around the country... Yeah. It's it's happening. It's because the the um, the metal music. music? It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, but it's actually, since you brought it up, it's because in, in orthodoxy is two thousand years old. It's timeless, mm -hmm. and uh, orthodoxy doesn't change. There's a there's a joke. How many orthodox does it take to change a light bulb? All right, change, change. We don't change anything. So, <laughs> how many times have you heard that one? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. This week, right? <laughs> so when when people people are in in uncertain cultures and times and, and sociology like we have in America now, people grasp for something that's stable, something that's been there, that's unchanging. All right, you're not getting it from the Republicans, the Democrats, the Libertarians. All right, but then people who are looking for spiritual things that don't change, something that's stable. That's, that's okay. orthodoxy. That's okay. So, uh, so that's why, that's why, uh, that's why people are, are, are leaning toward the Orthodox Church. So our hope is that uh, the people will, will come into to Holy Resurrection and feel, feel love, feel joy, feel peace, feel healing. Uh, the Orthodox Church You'll often hear people, you'll often hear the church say, "We're a hospital for sick people, and we're not a courtroom full of judges. We're a we're a hospital full of doctors and nurses." And in orthodoxy, the goal is to to heal that those things that are are, are plaguing us, whether it's addiction or loneliness or sadness or low self esteem or a lack of an ability to to hold a spiritual life. And the church loves and accepts. Um, but also, what I want to kind of make clear that there are some churches that, that try and try and st either stereotype or pigeonhole. Like you'll have hippie churches or cowboy churches or or you know uh, um, heavy metal church, whatever. Yeah. And that's not what we're doing. We're not mm -hmm. trying to, to do a street people church. We're doing an orthodox church. But but there's going to be this this overall feeling of anybody's welcome. Anybody who's going to come in there is going to feel the love of Jesus Christ. They're going to feel the timelessness of orthodoxy, and they're going to feel uh, acceptance. And then those who 
could choose to continue on with the healing uh, will be welcome to participate in in the Orthodox Live. Um, so yeah, that, that's how we're that's how we're interfacing. We're always going to be God willing. We're always going to be close to close to pathways. Always going to be accessible to, uh, to to what Jesus called the least of these uh, those who uh, those who are lost, those who are poor, those who need who need resources. So that's our goal. Yeah, for a somebody that's not familiar with this type of um, belief system mm-hmm. or study. And, but is involved in the church. Like, wh- how would you suggest somebody like kind of get their feet wet, or where would they start? You want to handle that? I'm just putting you on the spot because you're oh, okay. Because you're smarter than I am. <laughs> Visit. Visit. Come yeah. hang out. Get, yeah. Embrace some of that love that yeah. Bob's talking about. Yeah. Um, I I don't. One of the things that I loved when I came into Orthodoxy is the very firm belief that there's. Um, there's no grounds or basis for us to say that any other belief system, Christian or non-Christian, is not going to get you to God. Um, I cannot judge whether you're Baptist or Buddhist. I cannot say, oh, that's right, that's wrong. I cannot do that. I can't even say that this is the only truth. I can't do that. I can say this is the path that has drawn me closest to God. And because of that lack of condemning um, that I had experienced in many other places, um, that's really drew me to the Orthodox Church. Um, And I think that's honestly what drew me to working at Pathways, too, although it is not an Orthodox organization. It's, um, I think, every church in Haywood County is represented in that place, and it's amazing and beautiful. And it's because... Nobody is judged. Um, Everybody is completely loved and accepted. And so... Regardless of where you come from or what you... Or even what you believe. You do not even have to be a Christian to be it at Pathways. I mean, it's not, you you have to go to these Bible studies. It's nothing like that. It's, we just want you to know you're loved. And that was the same receiving that I got when I came into the Orthodox Church. So the fact that there is no condemning... um, and I guess that's why I feel so safe in both of these places. <laughs> that's one of the things, like what I'm hearing is is one of the things that appealed me to Buddhist practice and mm-hmm. spiritual practice as a whole was the fact that it was one of those things where it's kind of like, give it a try mm-hmm. and see what works, right? Put into the effort and experience some of the results and don't yeah. necessarily um, go into it with a sense of like blind faith, mm-hmm. more of a verified faith. Like I do this and I, these are the results. Mm-hmm. You do the 12 steps, you recover. Boom. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The promises come true. Yes. The promises come true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in the Orthodox Church, one thing that, that struck me and, and one reason I think that it's continuing to grow is that every Orthodox Church in the world uh, by and large, believes the same thing. If you go to any Orthodox church in the world of uh, the last fifteen hundred years, uh, on a Sunday morning they do the same liturgy, the liturgy of Saint John Chrysostom, and consistency. I'm yeah. sorry, yes. consistency. Oh, yes. absolutely. Regardless of absolutely, absolutely. 
And the difference is, if you go into a Greek church there, they'll chant Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. If you go to the Russian church, they chant Gospody Pavilo. If you go to the American church, it's Lord have mercy. But it's the same. Uh, I went to a, a, a Slavonic Russian Orthodox monastery up in uh, upstate New York. And the whole liturgy, the two-hour liturgy was done in church Slavonic. But I knew exactly what was happening, exactly what was being said, because it's the same liturgy um, worldwide. Since I knew the liturgy in English, I knew what was happening in, in church Slavonic. And so, the, yeah, you're right. There's that consistency. And what that consistency is going to come, in, in our case, uh, the love, the joy, the peace, uh, the the real healing, not just a, not just an emotional, you know, high yada 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 that then then goes away after the high goes away. It's going to be a I mean, orthodox is just deep. consistent. It, it's consistent and yeah, it, it it focuses on what we call the noose, which is the noose is this deep this deep spirit um, that isn't based on emotion or circumstances. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about the life skills training and stuff that you kind of touched on a little bit um, and like what that process is like and identifying like potential employers and things like that. Like, do you guys um, have, does your case manager or somebody like go out and build relationships with employers or are you just more like teaching the skills and allowing the individuals to kind of go out and find their own. It's a little bit of both. Okay. So when we, um, we got a grant from the state to help to address the opioid crisis, which allowed us to have some staff in the jail, but it also allowed us to have our employment specialist. Um, and he is also a deacon at the Grace Episcopal church in town, but he came to us. So he's a, he's an interesting mix of sp great spirituality, but also incredible employment skills. He'd worked for 15 years prior um, with folks with mental health issues, helping them find jobs and stay on jobs. And so what he's been able to bring to the table is he can meet with people, hear their story. And if you met him, you'd want to tell him everything. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. Yes. Um, so then he can do like a pre-employment screening and he helps people apply for jobs that they would be most likely to be successful at. Like meaningful jobs, like things that they're interested in. Yeah. Will, well, and or... for example, um, we have somebody who can't be around a whole bunch of people at one time. So customer service, Bojangles, not a great idea, but it's what's available and what's down the street. So instead what he's done is he has helped them go through the application process for HVO, which is Haywood Vocational Opportunities. That requires that that person interact with maybe four other people. And they've done an amazing job. Still has the job, has working full time, has benefits, can walk to work, has a living wage, all those sorts of things. Um, and had so, you had you plugged that dude into Bojangles and he'd have been out of there two weeks exactly, later. Exactly, right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think before we had, before we had this person we would work to help people identify how to apply for jobs and stuff we'd use interns for help and things but he's really brought a specialization that we didn't have before and we're so lucky to have um so in that respect he's very much doing that we've brought in um folks to do other kinds of life skills we partner with the Zacchaeus group in town and they're a nonprofit that helps people who are um, middle to low to no income help to manage their funds. So they come in once a month and everybody's required during their stay with us to at least go to that. And if people are interested, they'll offer continuing one-on-one -on -one sessions at no charge. 
Um, wow. A lot of people, e- well, time. everyone hates the fact that they have to go, but then they until love they, it. Until they leave. Until and then they're like, I want to go, I want to go. So yeah. um, we have a Renting 101 curriculum ready. We just need a facilitator. That is just about how do you have a lease? How are you, How can you be a good neighbor? How can you save on your utilities? What is what are your rights and responsibilities of being a tenant and what does that look like? And just the basic of That's so you valuable, should, man. and you should have yeah. a lease. I mean, so many people just don't have a lease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have art classes mm-hmm. that come in. We have NAMI comes in twice a month and does a support group for us. We have Bible studies. We have Sue and Bob's group. And at this point, I think that's all we have, but we're always we're open to yeah. to bring in that stuff in. What about like mental health providers, like connecting them with? Meridian's amazing. Like I said, they'll come in and, and pick people up. We're actually working with them to have one of their kiosks delivered to Pathways, and it'll stay there so that people can sit down in um, confidentiality, in a confidential situation to be able to do a screening on themselves mm-hmm. and then make the appointment through VIA and get all connected with that. So that'll help not only our residents, but also those folks who come in for dinner who don't stay with us, but it's who also need some help. to them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They got one of those at the library, and it's yeah. like mm-hmm. super cool mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. that thing over there. Yeah. yeah. If I can plug something really quick. Plug when, away, when, my brother. When Archbishop uh, Daniel came here last week, he goes all around the world visiting places, spends lots of time in Ukraine, all around Europe and so on. He spent a couple hours with Pathways, and he was amazed at what's happening mm-hmm. out there. And again, this is a very, very experienced guy, yeah. uh, and he just gaga about Pathways. Oh, oh Pathways is wonderful. Oh, <laughs> I love it here. He was so happy to be there. And he I'm going to send him a copy of that. Yeah, yeah, you do that. Yeah. Yeah. He will laugh. He, he will, he will. <laughs> A very gregarious, just loving guy, but he, oh, he loved Pathways. And then on the the Ukrainian Orthodox Church USA website, he put big, big picture. And this, I mean, what would have been like a five-page write-up about how (laughs) wonderful Pathways was and and what all they were doing. So like the whole Ukrainian Orthodox Church USA and in Ukraine now have have access to to the story of Pathways. Yeah. Uh, I'm just as just as amazed in the last like 52 minutes that mm-hmm. we've been talking. Um, when you first sat down, you asked me what do I know about pathways, and I said very little, right? And I've you know lived in not far, 30 minutes mm-hmm. away for the last five or six years, and worked with many individuals mm-hmm. uh, experiencing substance use disorders and mental health disorders. And I'm just very unfamiliar with it. And so I guess my question is like, why? Like, what are there barriers? Like, why? Why don't I? Like, why don't you know? Yeah. Why isn't why isn't like everybody in this community just like giving you guys all kinds of love? Like, I think part of it is just getting out to tell the story. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're kind of a baby organization or only four and a half. So we're kind of a toddler. But like just, I like, said at the beginning, around. how much you've accomplished <laughs> in those four and a half years. And I think we're just at a point, you know, we did a lot of infrastructure building here for a long time. And I think we're finally at a place where there's the space to go out and tell the story. And, you know, our first, our, our three goals were to feed the hungry, house the homeless, and reduce recidivism. And now we've been here long enough that we can really tell that story. It's measurable now, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. We've uh-huh. been keeping records now, and now there's trends. And um, 
you know, it's, it's a really powerful story at this point because it's a good story to begin with, but now I can tell you the results of that story and it's exciting and it's continuing. Tell me some results of the story. Some results of the story. So, um, in terms of feeding the hungry, we are a partner with Mana, which uh, they were gracious to include us on a grant that they wrote, which allowed us to get a refrigerated van. And so we get to pick up from our new Publix five days a week, which means five days a week we're getting three to 800 pounds of food. That means that our food costs are very, Thank very you, low. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but also that means that we have more meat than will fit in our freezer and more produce than we could ever use. So we're working with Haywood Christian Ministries and Open Door and um, the Haywood Cleaners and the Grace Episcopal Ministry Food food Pantry so that some of that stuff that we're not going to be able to use or like the one Cornish game hen that won't feed 70 people, it can go in a food box and get out to the people who really need that food. So we're partnering with them. And last year we served over 40,000 meals. When we look at the homeless... Um, housing the homeless we've served last year we served 314 people and that's up from 243 than the year before we we provided over 17,000 nights of shelter um which is double go ahead and say that number one more 17, time 17,000 over 17,000 nights of shelter that's almost twice what we did the year before that um we typically have between 40 and 60 people who are staying with us every single night and I've told you about the employment and about um, where people are going. But we also have, um, you know, we are really excited that we are going to open a family shelter in three weeks. And we're going to have up to 10 moms with their kids, so up to 36 people who can stay there for the same program that we do with our men and women. And there is not a shelter for homeless families in Haywood County. Um, so we're very, very excited about that. And then when you look at the recidivism piece, We've um, always had an informal relationship with the sheriff's department and um, have, have helped a lot with the recidivism in that respect. But since we've been able to put our staff in the jail, so their office is in the booking department, so they literally see everyone who goes in and out. They're running groups in there, um, evidence-based practice, um, criminal and addictive thinking. They're doing coping skills groups. They're meeting with people, and their goal is to help folks when they get to their release date to have a, a plan for inpatient treatment, outpatient treatment, or some sort of safe housing. But one of the things they're also doing is advocating with some of the attorneys and with law enforcement so that the option is on the table of, uh, for some people, going to treatment, court order treatment, and completing it instead of X number of days, years, months in prison. And that didn't exist before. Is that part of the diversion program? Or is that a separate it's, piece? No, it's a separate, okay. it's a separate thing. And then what that has meant for the recidivism rate is that in 2018, 75% of the women and 52% of the men who left the jail and came to us have not returned to jail. Dude. That's phenomenal. I've worked yeah. in, in social work for years. That's phenomenal statistics. Have any other count neighboring counties or anybody contacted you guys for this to like this type of model? Like there has to be with those types of numbers, there has to be interest. Yeah, I in, think Jackson County has asked yeah. um, some questions. Um, we're the only shelter between here and Murphy. Yeah. So there's not really at this point anybody out there who's who's that I know of, I should yeah. say, who's doing it that way. We have had some folks from Jackson call and ask. It's just like 
logical progression to just like roll something out mm-hmm. nationwide. Like, I mean, it takes so much support, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. and every bit of our income is. I mean, we're not federally funded. Yeah, and I'd like to talk. Know. Let's talk about that a little yeah. bit because the community is a hundred percent the one that's driving it. Right. right? Haywood Pathways is very unique, and I think Haywood County is really unique in that people see a need and they do come together mm-hmm. and say, "We got to fix this because this is not working." Um, and so Pathways has always been very much a community project. If you look at our new building, for example, we have no debt on that building at all, thanks to the fact that the that we had one grant and the remaining funds all came from the community whether that's business individuals or churches yeah just like private fundraisers throughout Mm -hmm. the year kind of stuff oh my favorite part of that is when all the funding was done for the building somebody came in and said well what else can i do i said you want to decorate a bedroom (laughs) and they did and not only did they but she called uh her best friends and called us the next day and said, we're going to take eight of the 10 bedrooms and we're competing and mine's going to be the best. Because my interior decorator's the best. <laughs> These rooms are gorgeous. You show up a couple gallons of paint and a bunch right. of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's glorious. Yeah. And then, and then we ran out of bedrooms. And so we had people adopt the bathrooms and the storage rooms and the, you know, it is amazing. So we haven't had to pay to even decorate. Yeah. It's, and that's how Pathway started too. Yeah. Well, and it just goes to show like that the level of community support kind of starts mm-hmm. with leadership, right? And Sheriff Christopher kind of mm-hmm. identifying yes. that on such a scale and then the community mm-hmm. kind of rallying behind his vision to mm-hmm. roll yeah. something like this out and then it be so well received and then impact mm-hmm. directly impact the community in mm-hmm. such a positive way. Yeah. And it, and it keeps going because now that the new dorm's done, I have a group that said, well, we need to paint the new the dining room. It's looking old and shabby. So <laughs> We're circling back. Yeah. yeah so over. I've already got people saying, well, let's fix this and let's fix that. And it, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. And the residents join in. I had a resident come to me today and said, you know, I saw that the paint was donated. Can I start painting the dining room now? Wow. And we've got like five guys that want to go paint. Um, got a crew. So it's, it's they know that they're part of this community yeah. and that this community loves them because it's evidence in everything that happens. So. It, it's fair to say, I think, that, that any, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to speak for Mandy and Sue, but I think it's fair to say that any group, church group, civic group, any group, any club, whatever, that wants to in some way give back to others can find something to do at Pathways, whether it's painting or fixing this or doing that or decorating this or spreading mulch or something, any any group in this area or not in this area that wants to, to get involved uh, one time or 10 times or every month or whatever, uh, any group can find stuff to do. Especially like if you're looking for some sort of service type sure. work you're going to want to do it at a place that's making such an impact in the community, right? Mm -hmm. And that that produces such results, right? And then that full circle type moment where the individuals who have come through there are now coming in and painting on the weekends or mowing the lawn (laughs) or whatever the case is, you know? It's Mm -hmm. like... Well, I'm going to add one more plug in there because every single night a different group cooks dinner. Including you guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're the first, 30, 35. Yeah. We're the first Saturday of the month is our cook team. Um, but we have three <clears throat> nights 
of the month that don't have a cook team. So what you're saying is you're looking for some there opportunities <laughs> there to cook are some opportunities. meals. And the food's all there. So you go in and go, oh, I want all of that meat. And Deb will set it aside for you. And oh, and we're going to do those veggies. And so you you get to come shopping in our freezer and refrigerator. Uh, you really you don't purchase anything; it's there. Just that's therapeutic in yeah. itself. Having access and then you to get that to and then, create a yeah, meal—it's yeah. so much for, fun. It's about sixty residents, you said per night. So you're cooking right for that about that many mm-hmm. as well. This past Saturday, we had um, we had breakfast for dinner. We had biscuits made by Haley the bodacious biscuit baker uh we had sausage bacon i made sausage gravy mm-hmm. uh pancakes eggs and fruit and, salad and fruit salad all right it, it's like it's like being on one of those tv shows on the food network where you kind of <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you, you have all these ingredients in your, your group you says, got an hour and a half you got to get this done all right countdown countdown it is so fun <laughs> we had mm-hmm. 15 people yeah. cooking on saturday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So we have a mutual friend who also works there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kayla. 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 I love Kayla. Kayla McCoy. That's my buddy. I would like for one of you to tell me the funniest thing that Caleb's ever done at Pathways. Oh, Lord. That's, uh, Do you have one? I know there is. I know he, he was over there trying to cook a meal sometime around the holidays. I don't know if he's ever tried they were there serving. They did. They, they served did serve. I don't know if he ever cooked. No. Oh, I don't know. I told him I would get some dirt on him <laughs> when I talked to him on the phone tonight. I know there's something. I, just, I will say this about Caleb, and it's not a funny story, but it's to appreciate him. He has a gift to be able to talk to those folks that he, no one else will talk to. And to be able to help at least, you know, follow through on their part. Who knows what really happens, right? But... He's able to talk to folks and get them to agree to try detox, to try treatment. And even if they say no, no that they know that they are cared about by him. Mm-hmm. And they are people who generally are on, in the process of being banned from us just because they need more than we can provide at mm-hmm. this point. Um, He's still willing to like put in he, that absolutely. extra, extra legwork, even outside. Mm-hmm. Sounds like outside the mm-hmm. scope of. Mm-hmm. Yes, what's and all going on. I think everyone who works there does that. But he just has a special gift for reaching the the people who um, seem to be more lost than mm-hmm. others. Yes, relating to them. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an orthodox. Waiting to happen. <laughs> Waiting to happen. <laughs> right. to happen. Yeah. Uh, what I know about Caleb is that. Um, for the like year and a half that we've worked together on this podcast and other projects in the community is that, um, and I said this at, at our, at his wedding is that like two different people from two different walks of life, two different belief systems, two different pathways to recovery can see each other and work with each other and love each other in the same way that you guys described. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a man that if he says he's going to do something, he always follows through. Yep. Right. He always yep. holds up to his end of the bargain. If he tells me he's going to pick me up on Tuesday, he's going to pick me up on Tuesday. He might be a half hour late, but he's going to pick me up on Tuesday. <laughs> you know? But he'll be there, right? He will be there. Right? He's, he's on Cherokee time. Always. Yeah, he will be there. And that's why I love him. But there's never been any type of judgment. There's never been any type of... Um, you know, anything other than unconditional love, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens. You know, I can always be myself around him, mm-hmm. regardless of where we come from, regardless of 
um, how we choose to live our lives differently. Mm-hmm. I can, I don't have to hide anything. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be a different person. Mm-hmm. And I try to be that way everywhere I go, but that's what I love about them. Man, I was looking for something. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I don't have any dirt. It'll, no dirt. it'll come. Uh-huh. It'll come. Um, this family unit that's getting ready mm-hmm. to open up. Mm-hmm. What, how did that come to life? And like, where did it start? I mean, obviously you, you saw a need, right? Mm-hmm. Where you did. That's her baby. Is it? <laughs> So Pathways always was going to provide shelter for families in some form or fashion. That was a goal from the beginning, before me, for sure. And then we were trying, when I came on board a couple years ago, we were trying to figure out what exactly that looked like. And um, my experience primarily has been with families and family shelters and transitional housing and things like that. Um, And so really and truly, we went with what are the resources we have? What has worked best in other places? What could we do here? And finally, just came down to we provide emergency shelter. It's what we're good at. It's what we're known for. And there's a need for that in the community. Um, And then we thought about where do we do that? And we had just enough land in the back of our little bitty space that we rent for a dollar a year from the county to put this massive building and that's about all that there's room yeah, for there's back there. no room around it but we figured you know our backyard there is the sheriff's department and um so rather than try and find a place and convince all the neighbors that it's okay because mm-hmm. people have stereotypes um you know and we just already have the staff there and the security there and the food there and all the services are already there so instead of spending money um, trying to relocate somewhere else, we put together this plan and we designed it for about um, six or eight months just to make sure it has everything the way that we want it. And then it was built, in, it's a modular house. It was built in the factory and then it was brought here and then they had cranes and they put it together and it was fascinating. Right before your very eyes. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, there's videos. Um and you would never know that now. And it's it's just a good place. So what are the like screening process? Screening How do you get for specifically for the, for families. the families? Yeah. So right now with our adults, you can pretty much walk up and if we have a bed and you meet three or four requirements, you can come in. Um, for the families, it's a little bit different. We want to make sure one that there's safety, um, but then also because it's an enclosed house. We want to make sure there's a good mix of folks um, to the best of our ability so that everyone's successful. So what we're planning to do is starting June 17th, we'll start taking phone calls or accepting phone calls to do phone assessments. And that just will kind of um, weed out who's ready and who's not. So if you're not from Haywood County, we won't be able to do that. If you're on the sex offender registry, we can't have you. If there's certain sorts of um, really violent charges, we won't. If you're still using, that won't work. So there's some really steadfast eligibility requirements. So that just weeds that out. Assuming some a family passes that phone intake screening, then the case manager will set up a one-on-one assessment time and meet with that family, get to know them, see the kids, and then figure out who's the best placement at that time yeah dude that's pretty badass man bob just showed me a picture of the bunk beds and stuff <laughs> all the pictures are on our facebook page are they? and the videos actually of the 
building coming together. The construction together. of it. Mm-hmm. How can people, um, outside of like service, right? How mm-hmm. can people get involved? How can people help out? How can people donate? Like, what do you guys need? Most, well, we need money. I mean, we always need money, right? Make, <laughs> Just to make, operate. Make all checks payable to <laughs> right, yes. Pathway Center. Well, and, <laughs> and I'll say this, though. If you're thinking about what, like I talked about the recidivism rate. To stay in the county jail, it costs $78 a night. To stay at Pathways, it costs $20 a night. Um, and so it's say, you know, if we can really work on this program and continue it, it can save the county and its taxpayers money in the long run, for one thing. Um, you can donate financially. It's really helpful. Uh, we need to be able to keep the lights on and to be able to provide the services. You can do that through our website. You can do that by coming in. Um, I think you can donate through Facebook as well. And then we have different events. So we have a quilt show luncheon that's coming up on June 15th. We have a golf tournament on July 5th. Um, and then we're going to have our grand opening celebration for the new dorm on June 21st. Um, so there's lots of different ways to to be involved and sponsor and come and contribute. And and all that all information that. available on your Facebook page. Yep. That and our website. Haywood yes. Pathway Center. Yes. Haywoodpathwaycenter.org. Yes. For the individuals who don't necessarily meet the requirements to stay, whether mm-hmm. the families or just an individual. Um, outside of Caleb McCoy gunslinging, <laughs> talking them into something, what, what are the, what's the progression? Like, what's the steps? What are, what are their options? Do you guys work with other higher level of care organizations in the community? Well, we try. There's not a whole lot available, yeah. so that's kind of one of the biggest challenges. But if someone's issue is unstable mental health or um, drug use above what we can handle, we will do everything we can to try and get mobile crisis involved, um, get people to Balsam, to detox, to the hospital, things like that. Um that's really kind of the most we can do when it comes down to families needing shelter, especially, and we don't have any resources right now. We'll tell them about what's available in Buncombe County and at least try and say, here's what it, here's what's available. Um, it's not it's tough. nearly yes. adequate, obviously yeah. it doesn't solve the problem by any means, but we try not to leave anyone hanging. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest part of my job. Cause I answer the phone and I'm the one who has to generally be the first person to say, we can't take you. And that is the hardest thing to do. Um, I know um, it, we've been working on this dorm with families, and for the past five, six months, it's like, no, we can't house you. And is it because, like, a lot of families have heard that it's coming? It's coming, so yeah. So they're calling to. They're already calling. Well, yes, but there's also no shelter. Yeah, yeah, there is nothing else. So we're the only one, and so people will call. Yeah, and that is heartbreaking. So, you know, the more this could be duplicated elsewhere, that That's would be amazing. Still blowing my mind why yeah. it's not already, but right. But it ha- it needs to be. It has to be yeah. because we only have ninety eight beds. Yeah. Now you mentioned only Haywood County residents, right. right? So like, if there are beds available, you still limited to Haywood County residents regardless of, because you have to we, have that opening well, for... And we did that because part of the agreement with the county for us to move forward was we were going to take care of the issues in Haywood County first. Mm-hmm. And I think we, you know, we knew that there wasn't anything available in the surrounding counties. And if we were flooded with everyone from the surrounding counties, would we have space for those who need help here? So it, logically that makes sense. It, mm-hmm. 
it is hard to um, reconcile sometimes with Christian values <laughs> yes. of just helping your neighbor who walks in the door. Yeah. Um, well, then also, like, you know. I mean, people who are experiencing homelessness tend to not have a driver's license mm-hmm. or right. don't necessarily have a place that they call home, many transients right. and things right. like that that are just kind of like passing through. And to stumble upon such a beautiful operation, mm-hmm. right? It's like, how do you, how do you identify residency, I guess. Is, well, and it's challenging. I mean, yeah. not everybody has that, it, uh-huh. you yeah. know. Um, but people, you know, people will often say, well, I've been here. I got here three weeks ago in, the, in telling their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it 100% full proof? No, because <laughs> most of it is self-report. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we have to do what we can. Sure. Totally understandable. Where do you see this thing going? Right. Like my five year plan. Yeah, like well this you just (laughs) like blew my mind about what's happening happened in four and a half years. Like where does it end? Like what does it So I think one of the next needs that we have is gonna be transitional housing. Um the each program in Haywood County helps families and so they stay with them for up to two years and they still have support and they still have case management. But we don't have that for our single adults. And we, we don't even really have halfway houses, no. I don't believe. Yeah, Buncombe so, County is, has one on every corner. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think we have had a lot of folks who get to the end of their time with us, and they would be more than happy to live in a place for $400 a month and know that they're going to be drug screened all the time mm-hmm. because it's a place and it helps with their recovery. So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that in the next 5, 10 years I'd love to see us go to. But the other piece of that is we serve... Everyone in Haywood County, but locally and, and geographically, it's hard to get from Canton. Transportation. To Waynesville. Uh-huh. And so what would it look like if there was pathways east and west? You know, Because there is a section of folks who need these same services in Canton who aren't going to get to us, not because we don't want them, but because they can't get there. Do you have organizations providing transportation currently? Not not like a bus system. Yeah, but we even. have Mountain Projects works mm, a lot yeah, for um, transportation, and they they have a program that will help you if you're trying to get to work, and you can call and you can get an appointment to, for them to come pick you up for certain things. But there's not a fixed route where you can go to the bus stop at eight yeah, thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that doesn't exist. But like you could use Mountain Projects to set up an appointment if you mm-hmm. have to go to the doctor yeah. if you have a job interview that sort yes, of thing. You could. One of the things I've been talking with Lori Clancy about in like this transportation deal is um, that keeps like we keep circling back to like I spend so much time in her office just like brainstorming needs in our community and stuff. And like one of the things that it just keeps circling back to is um, the number of churches in our community. Right. They all have a van. Right. Mm -hmm. Large portion of. Most congregations are tend to be a, a, a decent por- portion of the congregation tends to be an older, retired crowd looking for some meaning in their lives, right? Why can't we like band together with some of these churches and like provide some meaning to those elderly? By allow, and I don't know, probably liability is a major issue with this thing, <laughs> but you know, what I mean? insurance and all that. But like, how do we tie? How, what can we make it look like? How can we tie all that in together, where we're providing meaning for those elderly members of the congregation? We're utilizing the church vans that sit there six days a week, mm-hmm. right? 
and we're providing a service to these individuals who need the transportation. Um, I don't know. It just like seems like there's a church on every corner. I live in the woods, man. I pass like eight <laughs> churches going up my mountains. No joke. And there's like every one of them has a van out there. That's a beautiful vision. I like that. I like that. Right now we have a very small handful of just individuals who yeah. are retired who will actually come pick up our residents and take them to doctor's appointments. Yeah. And they are amazing. And I need more, but um, <laughs> they would love to jump on that one. Yeah. We have a, a group of volunteers that drive our van to Mana, mm -hmm. and so that staff doesn't have to. But boy, that would be beautiful to see something bigger. Yeah, like like an overall, like mm -hmm. an organization that's connected with each of these churches. How much were we talking about gas? You know, mm -hmm. what does that cost? If each church took one day a week, I'll take Monday. Bob's taking Tuesday. Sure. Sue's going to take Wednesday. Spend fifty bucks in gas, fifty bucks a week. You know. Mm -hmm. I think it could solve a significant problem in, the, in this community. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I always have crazy ideas. I like but, it. You know. I like it. So have us back in a few weeks, and, and let's talk more about that. Heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a few weeks, Bob, yeah. I will have my toes in the sand of the Pacific Coast, oh. the Pacific Ocean. Man. I told... The Kara that's going with us, I don't care how cold the Pacific Ocean is, this little skinny body. You're going to do it. It's taking, taking a plunge. It's funny. I do not care. What about the? What about you guys with the, with the church? What are the next steps? How can people get involved? What kind of support do you guys need okay. as to, to get this thing kind of like launched? We, um, we're... Uh, I think the, the easy answer is go on Facebook, look up Holy Orthodox, I'm sorry, Holy Resurrection Orthodox Mission. Or the amazing Bob Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> you do a good Caleb. Very good. I've been, doing it. Really I've been good. doing it for a year and a half, man. <laughs> uh, okay, show me a Caitlin. Do, uh, not do yet. Caitlin. No. Mm -mm. I can't yet. All right. Um, you know, yeah, go to go to Facebook. Look up Holy Resurrection Orthodox Mission. Um, keep listening to this podcast because you're going to have me back on sometime soon. All right, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna take out some ads in in the papers, let people know what we're doing, and and again, I mean, the, the goal is to uh, we're gonna be a service to to this community. When yeah. when Archbishop Daniel was here, when he was talking about pathways, he he said, "Why why reinvent the wheel? We're already doing stuff here." and and rather than doing our own thing, he wants us to support Pathways, so we're going to. So, uh, so no, the quick answer is pay attention, pay attention, <laughs> and then you're going to start seeing, start seeing our name here and there. You're going to, you know, we're going to start meeting uh, right next to Folk Moot Center on Sunday oh, cool. mornings. Yeah, in, in one of the one of the the Haywood County School, I guess not the alternative center, but but maybe alternative center, whatever it is, so that the right of Folk Moot. Um, we're going to start meeting there initially, and then as we grow, we're going to find somewhere else to uh, to meet. Because in in Orthodox Church, we have we have icons, we have incense, we have bells, and 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 it, it, it takes a whole sensory person in. So so as we grow, we, we grow, but we're never gonna we're never gonna lose that that vision. Um, I'm totally interested in checking it out. Okay, I am. You, you would fit in just fine. Would I? You'd love it. We have the I same mean, prayer rope. With the yeah. me metal music? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm totally interested in checking it out. I was gonna say <laughs> Kievian chant, Kievian chant. So, if I if I can say one, bring one thing up before we before we close. I don't know where we are time wise, but uh, as much wonderful stuff as Pathways does, I also want to bring up the reality of why they do what they do, and, and the reality of why uh, Holy Orthodox or Holy Resurrection Orthodox Church can do what it does. This this past Thursday we had a memorial service at Pathways because we had four people recently who died um, through drug addiction or through the, the, the homeless, uh, the, the street lifestyle. One young lady, I think maybe 25, committed, committed suicide. And my understanding is that as, as she was dying, she was yelling to the EMTs, uh, don't help me, I deserve to die. I don't deserve to live. And uh, and that's that just should not be. So... As we as we had this memorial service, at one point the gentleman leading it uh, requested people just to call out the names of people that they know who have died through drug addiction, opioid overdose, suicide, whatever. And then every time someone called the name, he rang a bell, and I began by saying the name of my brother Steve, and he rang the bell. And someone else said a name, they rang the bell, and the bell kept ringing and ringing and ringing. And um, so it, 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 Pathways is here because of that, because we don't want to have memorials like that anymore. Uh, and, and our church is here because of that. We don't want to have memorials like that anymore. Uh, and that's why you do what you do. That's why Caleb and, and Caitlin yeah, do what they do. Because um, I'm tired of hearing people die. So, um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I say that to say that, that Pathways, uh, it, it, were it not for Pathways, more people would, be in the position of why we had the memorial last Thursday. So, and outside of like what Pathways is doing, it's the people yeah. who are inside there. You two, mm-hmm. the other staff that you have on board, Sheriff Christopher, right? Mm-hmm. Like, truly invested for the people, right? Truly invested to prevent that bell from ringing. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. I think that's why we all do what we do, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you guys. Like, I'm, I rebel against all kinds of shit. I don't follow the normal <laughs> path, right? You fit right in really? with us. Are you serious? Lay, <laughs> you could get I'm, a job at Pathways. I lay, my, <laughs> I lay my own path. And so, so many of these so many of these organizations or governing bodies, they just prevent, they put more barriers in place than they allow access, mm-hmm. right? And if we could all just circle back to the way that Caleb meets those individuals with unconditional mm-hmm. love, the way that the Orthodox just accepts and loves everyone like it we 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 make it things too difficult on Mm -hmm. our own if we could just like simplify it right it's 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 easy Mm -hmm. it's so easy but there's all and that's why i got out of like the school stuff is just kind of like something i do for a hobby now Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's too many rules and stuff (laughs) you know that's just a hobby um it, it just Make it easy. Make it simple. Yeah. Love people, right? Yeah. Be kind. Mm-hmm. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Forgive. It's it's not hard. We make our life difficult. Mm-hmm. 
and then in turn like these agencies and governing bodies it's just like this momentum and i don't know just it gets frustrating sometimes i hear you i hear you i'm all for recovery always so there you are well listen guys it's been a lot of fun it's been a pleasure to get to know you how let's go ahead and like throw out how to get in touch with the work that you guys are doing one more time if people are interested in coming out and being of service, if people are interested in donating some dollars, if people are interested in donating coffee, donating coffee, <laughs> I'm gathering no kombucha though. Yeah. We always, we have a lot of groceries, but we always run out of coffee, creamer always. and sugar. Always. The, the essentials. Exactly. <laughs> the for, path, for pathways. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website, which is, haywoodpathwayscenter.org and we're also on Facebook or you can just call us or come by. Your stuff, Bob, one more time? Okay, for, for Holy... Uh, for um, <laughs> You're going to get this right. Well, yeah, we just We've named only, it like three, named days it three days ago, ago. <laughs> all right? So for Holy Resurrection Orthodox Church, you know, I just set up a Facebook page last night about 10 o'clock, so, uh, so if you find it there, fine. If not, then just... They can contact you, Steve. Okay. They can contact me, right? Yes. Right. Once again, it's Bob. Bob, the amazing <laughs> Bob amazing. Cummings. I, I, you know, I, I've never, I've never called myself the amazing Bob Cummings. Well, I'm sure you no, heard you're it. cute and adorable. Well, thank you. I love my. Wife. He told me that mm-hmm. when that I first he told met you him. that he is cute and adorable. Yes, he did. All right. Said, I'm cute and adorable. That's what he said. Well, you know, before I married Sue, I had someone. I needed someone to tell me that, so I would look in the mirror every day and say, "Bob, you are cute and adorable." So I heard it every day, and then when I married her, after I told her that uh, yeah, I was, I had that, to then, continue it for him. Yes, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Nobody else told me that, so. Sure. I, I love you, Steve. Thank you for anytime, man. Listen, me it's been here. great to get to know you guys. <laughs> the work that y'all are doing out there is phenomenal. Please let me and C Raw, this podcast, know if we can support anything that you guys are doing. Uh fundraising events, things like that. You need to get the word out. Do not hesitate to send it my way. You've got my email address, I think. Thank you. Um what's beeping? Bob, it's Caleb. He heard us talking about him. Um but yeah, do not hesitate to uh, to let us kind of spread the word. And I'm going to close the show out. I got a YouTube video of Bob teaching Kung Fu. Oh, no, you do not. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> tell, me a, tell me a Bob story real quick. Okay. Give me a funny Bob story. Um, one of our favorite pastimes, this is from our previous round of life, is that we taught women's self-defense courses. And it was really fun because I'd get a room full of 20 women and mm. I teach them how to beat up men, and then they'd all need my husband in the crotch repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I, I was padded, but still. Yeah. 20 <laughs> or 30 times, there's no turning back. 20, 30, <laughs> we're talking like a few hundred. It oh, was great. Gosh. It was great. Four <laughs> scenarios per person. If we had 20 people, that's 80 scenarios I had to do being absolutely beaten up by <laughs> angry women. That's what makes a good marriage. Yeah. It's a good yeah. marriage. I love it. I'm very docile now. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Y'all are a ton of fun. I'm going to come out there and kick it with you sometime soon. Do it. Do it. Later, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And a special thank you to the Comfort Inn of Silver, North Carolina for providing this recording space to us each and every week. 
They're located at 1235 East Main Street in Silver, North Carolina, and also part of the Choice Hotels chain. You can check them out at choicehotels.com. Book a room for a reasonable rate. Visit the lovely Great Smoky Mountains. Summertime, everything's green. It's a beautiful time to get out of wherever you're living and uh, come visit the mountains. Give them some love. They're a recovery ally. They support our program and they support all kinds of community organizations. I cannot say enough wonderful things about the Comfort Inn. So thank you guys for tuning in. Y'all take care.